There's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going? It's going really well, Shay. I'm really, really excited. We haven't been able to break down this many meta-shifting, balancing changes in a long, long, long time. So I'm excited. A hundred percent. I mean, today we're breaking down the revelry patch notes, getting ready for season 16. And back in the day, we started the show in part because we love talking about legend balancing so much. And that was our number one favorite priority in the seasons. And this is the biggest season of legends balancing we've had in a very long time. So we're really excited to kind of break through this stuff because it's it's been a while to be totally candid on it. Um, but before we dive into all that, if you want a question answered on the show, ask it in our Discord channel for questions or leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd also like, drop us a follow on Twitter at Kirk Rudoche and at HB Burrison or the at Third Party Pod Twitter because the polls are starting to go crazy over there right now. Going to try and make some change someday, folks. <laughs> yep, we love to see it. Buff Mirage. Um <laughs> Also, you know, to celebrate the fourth year of Apex and the new season, we are doing a sixth third-party invitational tournament, this time with only the OG legends. So if that sounds like a lot of fun, check out the link in our description to join our Patreon. That's the way you can get access to the private lobby tournament. We're really excited about it. It's going to be a ton of fun, and there is our largest prize pool yet. So hopefully that makes it worthwhile for you. Largest prize pool. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, With that, though, let's just dive right into it. And we're going over the season revelry patch notes. Um, As we kind of mentioned on Wednesday, we dove into, with our thankful early access, a lot of the class stuff um, and kind of just overall changes to Apex Legends. And this episode, we're going to be really getting into the nitty and gritty about the specific legend changes. Uh, the weapon changes, and then covering some of the more high-level meta where we think the classes will end up shifting people, kind of our early first projections. Um, With that, though, I think let's just jump right into the legends. Um, High-level, just where we're at with the legend meta, we're looking at the scan meta being forever changed with what's going down this season. We got Pathfinder and Wraith ultimate buffs that are going to be competing with Valks, ultimate power for rotations, Horizons Q getting balanced a bit, Lifeline buff and Slight Mirage buff. So if you don't want to listen to the pod, but that's what you want to kind of get the takeaways of, that's what we're going to dive into. Let's just start off. Scan Legends. We got Seer uh, with a change to the passive heartbeat sensor. So audio from Seer's passive is now more audible to enemy players. The activation is now delayed to match raise animations of weapons or unarmed. Uh, The lock-on indication will now only show on heartbeat cadence of target. Tactical is also getting changed. It will no longer show, show full body scans on scan targets. The ultimate is being changed as well. It will no longer reveal on initiation. The duration reduced from 30 seconds to 25 seconds, and the cooldown is increased from 120 seconds to 180 seconds. Henry, sweeping changes to Seer across the board. No, no abilities left untouched. Talk to me. What are your first impressions? Yeah, not only... It are all three abilities touched, but they're all nerfed. So this is kind of, I think, what a lot of players wanted to see. Um, I think the one thing to break down specifically here is the passive. If you are looking 
directly at an enemy and ADSing, it will not highlight your passive in yellow constantly. It will only pulse. So that mm-hmm. means that a moving target, if you don't have direct line of sight, is way harder to track. Obviously, mm-hmm. if they're more injured, heartbeat increases. It's a really cool kind of mechanic in this passive. So that will help you out. But for the most part, I think the passive's getting hit really, really hard uh, here with Seer. The other thing to keep in mind is the ultimate has been what I've been calling the most mm-hmm. powerful part of Seer's kit. And from what I can tell based off these changes, the ultimate is not getting gutted. Like when you adjust a cooldown, especially for an ability that's used, you know, at a fight, you're probably not going to see a big difference. Reducing the duration by five seconds is something, but I think you're still going to be able to get a lot of value out of the ultimate. But what Seer needed was, you know, taking down the passive and the tactical at least one notch. And I think we successfully did that with these changes. Agreed. It's really interesting. I think we'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about the scan meta as a whole. But I think with this change and the changes to Bloodhound, I think both the recon legends, to your point, the ultimate wasn't like killed and the passive and tactical weren't killed, but they're going to be a lot harder to use. And so I think it's going to take a lot more skill to play these recon legends. Unfortunately for all of our ratting fans seer is still going to be pretty anti-rat i would say uh, at this point because if you are standing still or holding still uh, they're going to be able to lock on to you so i know that's what a lot of people were dreaming for on the passive side of things but i don't think that's the, the end of the world uh, at least on that front totally bloodhound though let's talk about blood so changes to the passive we got the introduction of white ravens. So ethereal white ravens will now occasionally spawn near bloodhound when no enemies are around. White Ravens can be interacted with or scanned to trigger them to fly towards the nearest enemy player. The White Raven will leave a misty trail behind for Bloodhound to follow and will share this direction with their team on the map. Using a White Raven will recover 25% tactical slash ultimate charge, and scanning a White Raven will fully refund the tactical charge. So also changes to the tactical. They reduce the full body scan time from three seconds to one seconds, and the diamond target on scanned enemies is unchanged. For the ultimate, it will no longer recharge, uh, no longer recharges or speeds up the cooldown rates of Bloodhound's tactical. It will launch a white raven that flies towards the nearest enemy, and killing an enemy while in Beast of the Hunt will also trigger a white raven. <sighs> Another Lyricon legend, you know, getting hit in every ability. Um Unlike Seer, though, we are seeing a little bit of a, I would say it's a buff to the passive. You know, the passive normally with Bloodhound being one of the most uh, disliked, unused in the game. And we're really getting some attention put into there with a whole new game mechanic around this White Raven. But we're definitely losing some stuff on the tactical and the ultimate for sure. Yeah, this one is really fascinating. I'll kind of first nerd out a little bit and say this is the first rework of a legend that has introduced a new mechanic since the split of season five with lifelines combat medic shield like (laughs) we really don't have this and we've had you know mirage reworks before that and top of season Mm -hmm. five we've had revenant kind of expansions of the passive we've had ramparts expansion of her ultimate uh, and then buffs to the tactical. We've had Watson kind of changes, crypto changes, but none of those really introduced a new mechanic. And so 
Bloodhound getting a buff to what has been one of the least powerful passes in the game with a new sort of mechanic being this White Raven, I think it's really cool. I'm excited about it. Um, sadly, that is not the spotlight here. What we <laughs> have to talk about is that you no longer really have wall hacks in mm-hmm. Apex Legends. Like This is an absolute gutting of Bloodhound's scans with the tactical. Um, and coupled with Seer's changes, this is the big one. I really think it's hard to avoid the fact that this is the most meta-shifting change since Bloodhound received a four-second scan duration all the way back in Season 5. So this is a pretty historical change. I'm really curious to see how drastic this will affect pick rate and how Apex is played because it doesn't get any bigger than this. I think that's very well said. And this is what people have been calling for. Like, let's just be honest with that. These aren't the two most popular legends and pubs and even in high levels of ranked. They're definitely up there, but it's not like these guys are one, two, and three by any means. But I think easily what have been the most frustrating for players when people ask us to do tournaments lately, it's been do tournaments without recon legends. You know, let's remove recon legends. Let's get rid of the wall hack scan meta. This is probably the closest thing we're ever going to get to that at this point. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a throwback to OG Bloodhound where it was more of a snapshot on the scan. And back to the point with Seer, harder to do and so harder to use. And you're going to have to be more strategic and be a lot more communicative as a Recon Legend player uh, with your scans. And that's a good thing, in my opinion, because I think you're still going to be able to get value out of these. It's going to be harder. It's not going to be as powerful. But there's still something there, at least. I think you and I were talking a little bit about it. The White Raven thing, we're not going to go in too deep on right now because we haven't really played with it that much and we need to see it fully in action. But it's a really interesting concept, and I'm excited to kind of see how it, it plays out. It's funny because everyone gets frustrated about third parties, and this is like the, you know, the most third-party direct ability we've ever had, I would say. Um, and so, yeah, I'm quite interested to see how it kind of shakes out and plays. And I think you even said on the behind the scenes, which was a good point of like, hey, this is like super anti-rat depending on how it works. Because if it's just it going to yeah. lead you to one person that's hiding by themselves because they happen to be the closest nearby, that's going to feel bad at times. Uh, and as an enemy, are you going to see a white raven? come at you or come towards you in the area? Are you going to know another team's coming and tracking you down as well? And how common will these White Ravens be? So some questions still around that, but interesting stuff. Certainly. Let's talk rotation legends. Uh, And these these are all, you know, in that kind of movement, team movement group. And we'll start with Pathfinder. And Henry, our our story of Pathfinder continues, uh, to say the least. Uh, It really (laughs) does. We got to change to the passive. Pathfinder's passive benefits are no longer gained by, gained by scanning survey beacons. Pathfinder's passive benefits of the ultimate charge and 10 second ultimate cooldown reduction are now gained by revealing care packages with the skirmisher ability. On the ultimate side, the max range increased by about 60%. The max speed on the zip lines increased by about 66%. Acceleration and exit speeds have been adjusted. Uh, You're going to have targeting improvements, including updated visual and audio cues, and you can no longer place the end station on out-of-bound zones. Um, 
I'm going to throw this to you in a second, Henry, but I just want to say like, Ode to Pathfinder, shout out from being the only legend to the, with the beacon to no longer having the beacon and the beacon changing entirely from what it once was. A pioneer in the game, a pioneer in recon and scanning, officially 100% gone. Like Pathfinder is no longer in any way, shape, or form a recon legend, which as people, you know, we've been playing since day one, like I think you can make an argument for it to make some sense, I think, but it's definitely a, a sad thing to say the least. It is. You, you were kind of alluding to an episode we recorded for our patrons, which I believe yeah. is still there. You could go back and listen to it. And it was titled The Plight of Pathfinder about all the kind of wrongful nerfs and changes <laughs> that had taken him down again and again. It's, it's a historical moment for sure. Um, I definitely am glad you brought up the passive, but I think what is more exciting here is this buff to the ultimate. I, I will go out and say that it solidifies Pathfinder as one of, if not the best rotational legend in the game. And I think I have to qualify that a little bit. Um, Valk requires you to stop in place, make yourself vulnerable, launch skyward, and then deploy a long distance. Valk requires her to take on a lot of personal risk and abandon her team in order to establish the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, Octane's pad, you know, pretty basic arc can be a little bit scary. Ash is probably the most risky, but the fastest. Mm-hmm. Pathfinder's distance is longer than that. And doesn't require a setup. You can kind of just move really quickly. And now that it's even longer and faster, I just think this is the best ultimate ability of getting your team in a fight or getting a quick rotation up a hill or you know mm-hmm. across a canyon. I think that the utilization of Pathfinder's ultimate has been really, really good for us this season and is only going to increase going into next season. I think 100. I mean, we were lucky enough to participate in the early playtest for this season. And this ult is no joke. Like 60% is a lot. You are sending, like, you're sending zip lines like further than you really truly think you can. It takes a lot to hit its max distance. And it's going to be such a strong tool. Easily is going to make its way into, you know, our go to comps. And a little shout out to the insider knowledge passive. I think you are going to actually be able to get more out of Pathfinder's passive benefit with the skirmisher care package reveal than scanning beacons. It's going to be really easy to do this care package reveal versus having to go out of your way to find a beacon. So I think you are going to end up hitting those ultimate cooldowns a bit more frequently with the care package than you were beacons uh, in particular. So I think we're like looking at a buff to both those. Obviously, you and I are kind of on the same page that we don't think the skirmisher ability is the strongest in terms of all the new perks. But despite that, path's getting you know a step up for sure. Very bullish on Pathfinder. <laughs> Wraith is also getting a change though to the ultimate, the dimensional rift. The max portal distance has been doubled from 76 meters to 152 meters. The portal duration was reduced from 60 seconds to 45 seconds. Wraith now increases speed over time when creating longer portals. Henry, I'll throw it to you as the you know Wraith 
hater uh, between the two of us, and, and not, we're not really a pro race podcast, generally speaking. <laughs> I just kind of, I kind of uh, end up playing her more so than you. But give me your thoughts on what you think this maybe does to the ultimate fair. It's a nice buff. Um, it's hard to really poke holes in it. Um, what I will say is, it still requires risk and skill to place a good portal. Um, this is making it a little bit easier to rotate longer distances, but it's also kind of hitting it from the other side and saying, okay, this isn't now so much a two-way portal. You're not going to be going back and forth, back and forth um, while in a fight as much anymore with that kind of 25% decrease of the Mm -hmm. duration. Um, But I will say, you know, a good portal placement can and has always been able to change a game. So this is nice. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that it's still hard to pull off. Yeah, hard to pull off, but it's more flexibility. So the best mm-hmm. Rafes are going to be able to get more out of her. I mean, you're going to be able to be in certain situations and once what was an unreachable building, an unreachable position you wanted to move to, will now be in range. And I think that speed over time when creating the longer portals is pretty major buff that goes along with this to be able to actually make this doable and you're not just going to end up getting yourself waxed every time you do it what do you think overall though about pathfinder and wraith changes because you know it it is an odd one we these are two of the higher pick rate legends and we've always kind of been proponents for like oh they're at the top they don't really need touching it's been a while for both these legends but where do you where do you kind of fall right now i was incredibly shocked um Mm -hmm. like you said it took us doing some research to figure out some sort of reasoning um (laughs) yeah and we do have an answer but you know the initial reaction was not only are these some of the most powerful or popular legends they're in the top three they are Mm -hmm. dominant one of the reasons that the developers shared with us for making this change was less so to help them and to more give you more options for rotating and hit Valk's ultimate indirectly. What makes that a little bit interesting is that Valk in season 15 has only decreased in popularity in, you know, across the board in terms of all lobbies and all players. Um, and they've taken multiple swings directly at Valk at all of her abilities. So this is a new strategy, but I think the question that I had was, is this warranted? Like, is Valk such a big problem that we now need to buff the top two and the top three most picked legends in the game in order to stop her? We kind of had to go into it a little bit. So the first thing that we took a look at is what's going on at the very highest levels of ranked. So master and pred lobbies. Valk spiked to number one in May of 2022. That was a long time ago. Um, after that, she only drastically fell off until increasing back into the top five in pick rate in October of 2022. Not too long ago. But since then, she's only fallen off. So you kind of have to think, all right, if Valk isn't very popular across the board, she's not really dominating things and rotations in ranked, why are we buffing these really popular legends? And the answer is, Esports and the uh-huh. ALGS. Um, Shay, do you want to elaborate on that? No, I mean, I think it's at the highest levels of gameplay in Apex Legends. In the ALGS, Valk is still, you know, the number one rotational legend. 
to that point that Dev's brought up of bringing in more competition. All teams opt to have a Valken there over a Pathfinder, over a Wraith, over another Legend, even despite her not mirroring that in Master and Pred lobbies, which is why it's a little odd, because normally the Masters and Preds mirror what's going on in the ALGS. But for some reason, right now, that's not the case. Valk is still dominating over there, and they're making a big shift. These perks are going to make a big shift to the ALGS. The weapon meta is going to make a big shift to the ALGS, and these changes to Wraith, Pathfinder, and then in turn Valk are going to also make big changes to the ALGS. So when you look at it through that lens, we're getting a really impactful season for competitive Apex balancing. Um, And that's fascinating. Honestly, it's going to be really exciting to watch unfold. Yeah, I think that there is no other reason other than the ALGS for these changes to Pathfinder and Wraith. What is interesting about that is, wow, we are now buffing some of the the most popular legends in the game, not because of 99% of the player base. We're doing it because of the pros. They said they were going to do this. This is what that looks like. So mm-hmm. depending on you know how this affects 99% of players, maybe something will change. But this is really some of the more most extreme stuff you could do. To take it down a notch, back to <laughs> earth a little bit, the positive thing here is you can still use Valk. This was not a direct assault against her abilities. You can still mm-hmm. use her abilities to rotate. And what's nice is we're just now giving some more options. So yes, yes, we're buffing some of the most popular legends in the game that are both more popular than Valk across the board, except for you know pro play. Yeah, but more versatility, more options, probably going to be better for gameplay overall. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. They made a, they definitely made a decision to go at it under that ALGS lens and. I don't think I'm going to come on this pod and say that was you know the wrong decision to make. I think we'll see how it unfolds, and it's going to be interesting. And the pros are beyond excited right now from what we can see on Twitter. And I think that's a, a really healthy thing for the community of Apex Legends out there. Let's keep it rolling, though, because we got a lot to go through today. Um, Horizon. Also getting some changes to the tactical, uh, increased weapon spread in the gravity lift, and increased vertical speed of the gravity lift by 10%. So taking away and giving a little, what's your reaction to this one, Henry? This is what we needed. Um, You kind of said it, this wasn't as extreme as they could have gone. This is more a balancing than a outright nerf of the tactical. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit of the background is Horizon's tactical has just absolutely taken over since season 14. Um, she's been the number one pick to legend in Master and Pred lobbies. Why? We believe it's mainly because the tactical's ability to present uncounterable movement while maintaining offensive accuracy. It's just so overpowered, um, especially in the hands of really skilled players. Um, I think for a long time now, fighting against the Horizon on her lift has been frustrating. Um, And then on top of that, Horizon's kit offers a lot beyond even the tactical, increasing the effectiveness of grenades, which are very, very powerful with her black hole, to also the versatility that the tactical has both defensively, possibly blocking a door, and offensively. I think the question is, will this change be enough to rein in Horizon? Um, Because from what the devs 
communicated to us, they wanted to make it so that you couldn't just beam people while going up the lift because newsflash, that was never the intention of this ability. Mm-hmm. Ever since season seven, we've really struggled at curbing that reality, but that was never the intention. And they want players to double down on the fact that this is a grabbing high ground ability for you and your team. So by increasing the speed of that, hopefully that will be more of a priority. I just worry that maybe these changes aren't enough and it might even be better than it currently is. You know, we'll kind of have to see. Yeah, I mean, weapon spread is very, you know, we don't have the numbers behind that. So we'll kind of see how the community feels about it once everybody gets their hands on it. It's noticeable though. That was kind of our first impression with using it. So yeah, I'm excited to see how this unfolds. We were kind of thinking about, we're trying to like come up with a tier list internally that, and we were like, we had Horizon and S last time we talked. Is she going to stay there or is she going to drop is kind of the question. But I think either way, she's still going to be a very strong legend. So I don't think if you're a Horizon main, you need to be uh, freaking out beyond belief at least. Let's talk about our main boy though. The center of the podcast, Mirage, getting some changes to the passive. So Mirage and his ally now remain cloaked after revive for three seconds. The weapons remain stowed while cloaked, and drawing your weapon will remove the cloaking effect early. Another change to the Mirage clones as well. Bamboozles are now only triggered by bullet fire and melee. Enemies who are bamboozled now receive notifications on their screen. Bamboozle icon markers now track the bamboozled player's movements, and bamboozle icon markers' duration was increased from 2.5 to 3.5 seconds. Is Mirage the best recon legend in the game? Is that what we're saying here with these changes? And the best reser in the game? Is that what we're now saying with these changes to these abilities? <laughs> That's certainly what you're saying, Shay. Um, <laughs> I think here is the facts Mirage was placed in the skirmisher class wrongfully, in our opinion. Um, you know, that class has the weakest perk. That doesn't really help Mirage being with all of the best mobility legends in the game. But the fact of the matter is, Mirage is a pretty powerful legend. You cannot tell me that you are not bamboozled on a regular basis <laughs> when fighting against a Mirage. Because you, you don't are. fight against them often, though. You don't but. fight against them often, but when you do, it is pretty effective. And a really talented Mirage can absolutely decimate you in a one on one. This buff to the decoys now being able to track enemies, unfortunately, not in a wall hacking way. You don't have mm-hmm. a scan on them. This is only on the minimap, but it is shared with your teammates. I think it's nice. The cloaked revive now lasting after you get them up so that your revive teammate can kind of get behind cover get away it is cool i'm really excited to see some really fun plays here i will not go out and say mirage got a huge buff though i think that these are sort of quality of life nice to haves but i mean i would i would have said if mirage was put in the assault class Really good season for Mirage, but sadly, even though this is some good attention, I don't think it's really going to move the needle for the Mirage players. I'll make the argument for Mirage then. Do uh, it. Out of Somebody the has to. Well, I just want to clarify you're saying the bamboozle icon marker is only on the minimap. You're not saying that's the icon that is above the enemy player when they're bamboozled that will now move with them. It is, but you don't have you know a scan 
of the. It's profile. not a scan, but it's an icon. It it's yeah. um, so like it, I don't. I just because you said mini map only. I just wanted to clarify that I hadn't good clarification. Um, just to make sure, I, I think the argument for Mirage, and, and I'll always ask for more. Thanks, devs, in case you're listening, which is great. Um, but we talk about a lot. This is not you don't want a Mirage meta by any means. Like he would be too frustrating of a meta to play in. And so you have to be careful with him because of that. I think Mirage has an opportunity to be useful for one specific reason. And that's the change to the recon legends and the perk that comes along with them. When we talk about building a team in Apex Legends to win. We talk about building the team around a beacon legend, a movement legend, and a recon legend. And with the changes to the recon legend, and then the beacon being moved to those defensive legends, you have an empty slot, essentially, now. You have more flexibility in how you want to build a team. We talked about it on the last podcast. And there's going to be a lot of arguments for, you fill that in with a support legend, you build that in with an assault legend. And that's probably what we'll do. That's probably what most people will do. But I think there's at least an opportunity to say, okay, like, why don't we fill it in with Mirage, who is kind of a Swiss army knife? He can res, he can do some recon, and he can create chaos in combat. You know, fighting against a Mirage sucks. We've had actually a lot of success this most recent season playing Mirage and ranked when we were just messing around, partially because nobody's used to playing against him, to your point. And so I do wonder if the reshift of what a competitive meta is opens potentially an opportunity for Mirage to be played just a bit more or to have some relevancy to the point where you don't feel like you're missing out on so much because you're playing Mirage in your comp and not somebody else. Um, That's my devil's advocate argument to my same point. Like I said, we probably won't end up playing him religiously, but I think he's got a shot potentially with how this plays out. We'll certainly let your point stand. I think that you're right and that Mirage is that wild card. I just, I have to kind of stick to the fact that I don't personally think that it'll move the needle because there's so much more to gain with other legends now more than ever with the new mm-hmm. perk system. So I, I'm with you though that he perk. wants more. Yeah, he, he needs the needs assault more. perk. If he had the assault perk to your point, it gets a lot more interesting of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, Lifeline, though, next legend, and last legend to get some changes. Well, outside of the perks. Passive change to the combat revive. They reduced the slow penalty on Lifeline when initiating a revive. And then they also made a change to the ultimate. They decreased the drop animation speed of the care package from 14 seconds to 8 seconds. And they increased the deployment range of the care package. Just want to give like a little round of applause through the mic because I think these are two fantastic changes to Lifeline and she's benefiting a a ton this season. Yeah, I think these are really nice. Um, I have really become a real Lifeline hater. Um, Not necessarily because I don't like her kit, but I just don't like how she's played. Um, And I really hope that both these changes to her abilities that needed it will help her play style a lot. Um, you and it will encourage people to actually be a combat medic and actually revive and actually drop two or three care packages a game. That's mm-hmm. why you play Lifeline. And my frustrations with her as a teammate pretty much are because people don't know how to play Lifeline. So these are really nice changes. I like them a lot. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, before we dive into the classes and perks, though, here's a quick little word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Okay, so let's talk about the impact of the balancing when it comes to the classes and the perks. And we dove into these pretty in depth in the last episode, so we're not going to uh, you know, give like our opinions and details on each one, but just high level, what are the perks? Quick reminder, you got five classes, assault, they're going to get more ammo per stack in their inventory. They're going to get access to red supply bins. The skirmishers are going to be able to reveal care packages and what's inside of them. The recon legends are going to be able to get the survey beacon, which is now scanning enemy locations for 30 seconds. The controllers will get the ring console, which is the next circle intel ability. And support will be able to craft banners in the replicator and access to blue support bins. Henry, walk me through where you're kind of standing with how the meta is maybe shifting holistically with these classes introductions. Totally. So the Assault Legends, that's the strongest perk. Um, not only are these visually red supply bins, but they are smart loop bins. That's mm-hmm. really, really important to remember. That means that the attachments will be tailored to you and your teammates' loadouts. Guaranteed rare or higher attachments. So if your team all has purple attachments, you will be getting gold attachments. Um, there's always going to be at least one optic in the slot. And one little fun fact that probably won't be utilized often, but if (laughs) someone on your team doesn't have a weapon, say they're respawned and you go to one of these smart loot bins, it will spawn one weapon for them with two relevant attachments. So that's pretty cool. Um, that on top of the ammo capacity buff makes this the strongest perk class. Um, we're really interested to see how much this will impact inventory management. Um, for those that carry you know, 240 energy, light, or heavy ammo, you'll now be able to do that in three slots instead of four. So that means more bats, more grenades, more items to carry. Um, so that, I think, is a buff for all the Assault Legends. Um, support perk, not as good as the Assault perk, but I think it's a really nice little bit of attention for Gibraltar and Newcastle. Um, I am personally glad that they are not in the controller class because it doesn't match their play style. So I'll take you know the, the support perk of maybe being able to pull off a, a respawn or getting the extra batteries or mobile respawn beacons from the support bins. Yeah, and I'll real quick just to throw my two cents on that support perk because you covered everything perfectly on the assault. But the only reason that it's you know a little bit maybe less competitive than the assault is because pulling off a respawn in a competitive apex is really hard to do. And so even with now the added ability to do so, maybe a little bit easier, you're still fighting such an uphill battle at that point. It's hard to give a lot of points. It's the same reason you always haven't been the biggest fan of Lifeline, where it's like, why did, do I really want the power in a kit to be dependent on my teammates being dead? Like yeah. when that's not, I would rather have the ability argument. that helps prevent us to die than recover yeah. from after the fact. So, yeah. <laughs> and then you can also, if you're saying the blue bins are, you know, as powerful as the assault bins, not really the case because you can craft bats. You yeah. know, you can't necessarily craft, you know, smart attachments for your weapons. Um, so, yeah, kind of have to call it as it is in terms of those two classes. The recon class, honestly, kind of losers um, with this, you know, 
reclassification. Losing the ability to get a game-winning intel with the you know ring location, I think is going to hurt. Really hurt legends that lost it like Valk, um, but also legends that are staying in the recon class like Crypto. Um, mm-hmm. When he was the best to ever do it, it's going to be interesting. We're looking at as a potential loser, but maybe this map room, you know, enemy reveal will be a lot more powerful than we think. What we can say is that it has a long duration, 30 seconds of map-wide intel as to where every team is, is quite good. Mm -hmm. What my hesitation to it is, is will people actually use it? And Mm -hmm. if something isn't used, it's not helpful. So that's kind of what it's going to come down to for the Recon Legends. I think when you look at it at its peak, you could say this is going to play towards the end games like an advanced UAV in Call of Duty. And that's really freaking powerful. And maybe that's how I can give the lens of like it's something good to crypto where I can scan it in a more competitive end of the game environment and then reap those rewards for 30 seconds as my team is fighting. But it is just hard to it's hard to lose what we see as a very, very powerful thing in next ring location. So yeah, definitely excited to get our hands on this one and play out with it. But early first impressions at least is that could see it being a bit of a negative compared to what they had before. Yeah. And the class that is certainly losers are the skirmishers. Um, arguably the best legends in the game uh, across the board are getting the worst perk. Seems Which fair makes enough. Sense, yeah. Seems fair <laughs> enough. But uh, the legends that weren't given any balancing, so Octane, Horizon, and Valk, certainly taking L's um, in terms of not getting helped out by a pretty useless class perk. Um, not much else to say uh, in terms of the skirmishers. Yeah, I'll throw in like I'm not like too against this. I mean, justice to Mirage for sure. But one of the exciting things is I think when you're kind of identifying maybe the tiers of the legends, and we don't really like doing tiers, but when we were kind of trying to initially put this together, you and I both kind of came to the same reaction of everyone is very close to each other. And to your point, Henry, of saying the skirmishers are a lot of the top legends in the game. If this intention was to bring introduce an ability that's not as impactful, which I think we can fairly say it was, You had people that were above, and then the water level rose of everyone else around them to bring them closer. And so we could be looking at a really cool balanced legend meta uh, this time around. So yeah, not not the best for those legends. Definitely a couple losers in that class for sure. Um, But we we would be frustrated if our top legends in the game also got the best perk and then nothing really changed in terms of the meta. So there's some sense to be made there. (laughs) Totally. And then the last class, the controllers, um, sadly, we've been doing this podcast for nearly three years, and we've been pretty solid on, you know, ring location and positioning is how you win games, but... ALGS agrees. ALGS, they do, but (laughs) the majority of players do not gravitate towards the Watsons and the Ramparts and the Catalysts in order to take advantage of positioning, play defensively. Um, but now that controllers can actually get that ring location information, they are going to be able to play their own playstyles independently without any other legends. And that just really excites both of us because mm-hmm. 
it means you can have stronger team comps, more dedicated team comps um, to really win more games. So although you're probably not going to see a whole lot of YouTube videos on this, this is something that we really like and it's going to change how we play ranked for sure. A hundred percent. And early inclinations from pros I'm seeing on social media are a lot of people saying, prepare for the Watson ALGS meta again. Does that come to fruition? We'll find out. But I think this is something that's going to really impact how people play. What would you say after all this balancing? We don't need to share a tier list by any means, but who are our early maybe S tier legends for season 16 before we actually get to jump in and play? So subject to change, don't hold us to this one and say that we're dumb if it doesn't pan out this way. But this is our first impression, first guess. Yeah, I think the hot take from the hip is that Pathfinder and Bangalore are going to be S tier this season. Um, the buffs to Pathfinder's ultimate, coupled with just how fun and powerful his, ta- his tactical has been uh, as recently as this season, make him really primed while everyone else has kind of been taken down a peg, most notably Horizon. I think Pathfinder will take her place. And Bangalore, being in the Assault class is no joke. And coupled with where the weapon meta is going to go and how much the pros have already adopted Bangalore, I would not be surprised if she takes over in Season 16. I mean, no Bloodhound scans being as effective mm-hmm. and no Seer, you're going to see a lot more impact from those Bang Smokes, that's for sure. So, yeah, I'm with you. We said it a little earlier that I think we're going to see a lot of Pathfinder play because of this. And yeah, those are the early takes for sure. Anything else on Legends before we dive into the weapon side of things? Let's move on. Okay, sweet. Let's get into the weapons. Overall, when we kind of look at a snapshot of what we're going to be talking about, we got big buffs to the shotguns. We got AR nerfs that make serious room for a juice nemesis. We got more room for LMGs this season. And back-to-back seasons with massive buffs for the R99, are we seeing the prodigal son return at this point? Is the big question we'll be answering in a little bit here. Let's start with shotguns, though. And with the biggest... Okay, I was about to say something a little crazy. With one of the most wild, coolest changes, but something we've been asking for for a while, a new attachment, the legendary shotgun bolt. So the new shotgun bolt rarity tier has been added to floor loot and crafters. A gold perk automatically reloads rounds while sliding, activates while equipped or stowed. How this was described to us and how it feels is the kinetic feeder just turned up to another level. Absolutely cracked. Um, I believe one of the devs even said, if you have a gold shotgun uh, bolt, you're going to feel like you don't even have to reload if you're using this weapon and perk correctly. And I think from just early play, that felt pretty true, uh, to say the least. So it's a cool one. What do you think, though, about the shotgun bolt? It's about time. I (laughs) felt like, wow, it's been, I think the gold mag came out in another season anniversary in season 11. so not fair that the shotguns didn't get any ability to kind of reload while stowed um, like every other weapon class did. Even the snipers have a gold mag. So I think that this is definitely something well-deserved and you really like the kinetic feeder. So, you know, play yeah. style wise, more sliding, more shotgunning. It's a win. Maggie season. That's yes, what it's going to be. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the shotguns individually, though. You know, actually, for these ones, Henry, I'm going to go through all the shotguns, and then we'll talk about them at the end. Yes. 
for the Mastiff, we have a spread pattern adjusted to be tighter. They added tactical stock attachments to improve reload speed and handling, and they increased the projectile size at close range. For the PK, they added tactical stock attachments to improve reload speed and handling, and they increased the projectile, projectile size at close range. And for the EVA, they increased projectile size at close range. So all shotguns outside of the Mosam increased projectile size at close range, and all now take stocks for reload speed and handling. Outside of that, we got a spread pattern adjustment on the Mastiff. What's your takeaway from these three weapons getting adjusted slightly? So I think with the first split of this season, having the Peacekeeper and the Crafter, it really highlighted the Mastiff fresh out of the care package. I felt like this whole season was actually a Mastiff season. Um, I think it's only going to get better, especially with the the spread getting a lot tighter. Um, when we talk about projectile size increase at close range, it's not something we can quantify like we normally like to do on the show, but it makes shotguns more consistent and them do higher amounts of damage. So it's a big deal. Um, I really think, like you said, Shay, these are sweeping buffs for shotguns. This is going to be a shotgun season. Um, you know, before I, you know, ask you what you think, I do want to, <laughs> you know, highlight some of the fun things that just stick out to me whenever we do patch notes. Sometimes the developers come up with new vocabulary and <laughs> it blows my mind. And right here, you know, they say they're adding tactical stocks when in reality, for the last 15 seasons, it's been called a standard stock. And even earlier, you know, they wrote that Mirage has clones when for the last 14 seasons, they've been decoys. decoys so, yeah. you know, we always get to learn new vocabulary. Henry, uh, it's it's the notes. changing of the guard. It's it's the respawn team members that have left and the EA team and new respawn members that have kind of come in. Some things get lost in translation, I think. We're just, and, and we just got to change the voice lines now. You know, like <laughs> Bangalore's not going to be calling out a standard stock. It's now uh, tactical. So stay tuned for that. Very true. Very true. I think, yeah, overall shotgun's going to be better. And like you said, easier to use with projectile size changes. And shotguns are known for being the hardest thing to use. So if they can get a little bit easier, that makes them powerful. And I'm looking forward to kind of getting my hands on all of these and playing with them. Let's talk assault rifles, though. For all assault rifles, they significantly reduced hip fire accuracy. Before we dive into the individual guns, I just want to talk about this because I think you and I really felt it when we were playing. Like this was, we were like, oh, cool. Is this going to be like, you know, the old change? Like they've changed the flatlines hip fire accuracy before. And then we go in and you don't notice it. What was your reaction to this one though for the weapons? Extreme. Very drastic hip fire accuracy. Um, can't hit anything. I think with either the R301 or the flatline, it is now just not doable. Um, I will even say it is way more impactful than what they did to the hip fire changes to LMGs across the board a few seasons back. Um, so this is a big one. And coupling this with the other changes and like what we just talked about with the shotguns, it all comes together to really shift the weapon meta a lot. And this change is one that you cannot ignore. This will absolutely affect the way you play. And you're still going to hit shots. You still will hit some hip fire shots. But it's just another step in that direction of the guns being more classified into their roles. And if you try and take an R301 and hip fire it 
against an SMG, an RNA9, or a car, you're very likely to lose if everybody's playing to the best of their ability. And that wasn't always the case. So it's putting guns in their roles, which is something we're fans of, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out in the meta, to your point. But let's talk about the specific weapons. So the R301, they reduced the damage to 13 per bullet, was 14. Uh, and the anvil receiver hop-up has been removed from floor loot and crafting. And then they introduced the Nemesis, a new AR. And let's just be let's be real, Henry, about what's going down. The Nemesis is coming in, tuned hot, very strong. R301 is getting nerfed. Their intentions are to put a new best gun in the game. Their intentions are going to work. And we're going to get a lot of Nemesis play. We'll probably get a Nemesis nerf eventually. But with these R301 changes, we're looking at a serious top dog here. Um, yeah, it's just so straightforward. There's no like beating around the bush here. We're going to do an episode um, about the Nemesis and exactly how it breaks down. But really, there's not much we need to say because it's like a fully automatic hemlock with no recoil. Is really powerful and a huge mag, huge mag. It's just disgusting. So that's all you need to know. But if you want to nerd out with us in a couple episodes, we'll definitely be breaking it down and really show you how much is this going to take the R three hundred one down. I think once we are able to look at them side by side, it might make you feel better or worse about how drastically the ARs uh, are changing in the hierarchy. Yeah, well said. Let's talk LMGs. Uh, so the Rampage LMG has been moved to the floor, uh, and they reverted it to the non-care package version. The damage was reduced to 26. It was 28 when it was in the care package. It no longer auto-energizes when it's picked up, and the energy decays slower when not firing. What do you think is going to be going down kind of with the Rampage and the LMG meta, maybe in its relation to the, the AR changes as well? Yeah, I uh, I was really hoping that the bow would come out of the care package, but no, didn't happen. Um, I think the Rampage is a very powerful LMG, not only because of the ability to rev up and have a really fast time to kill, but because it still has a barrel stabilizer. And that's what sets it apart from the current state of the Spitfire. Um my prediction is that with the assault rifle hip fire spread drastically increased, both the L Star and the Spitfire will become better medium close range competitors. And I'm a big fan of the Rampage. So the Devotion and Havoc are still dead with you know the last change for the turbocharger in season 15. But the other LMGs, I'm pretty bullish on. I think they're gonna definitely have a place. Um, as more forgiving, medium, close-range weapons. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this one uh, kind of shakes out. Let's talk about the SMGs, though, because this is where I'm uh, I'm really fascinated. We got changes to the car and the RNA9. So the car SMG, they reduced the base ammo capacity to the 19. It was 20 before. And the RNA9, they increased the damage to 12, was 11. Uh, just a little note here. This was the damage profile of the care package R99 in Season 6, but now the mag size is larger on the ground and the hip fire spread is tighter with a purple laser. So we're looking at a very strong version of the R99 in totality. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, at the top of this season, I pretty much solo queued rank with 
Bangalore, R9 with a digi threat. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that's going to be a great strategy yet again. Um, <laughs> the R9, for some reason, I guess from the devs' perspectives, hasn't been the best SMG in the game since you know release. Um, you know, we're really big fans of the Volt because of how forgiving it is, the rate of fire, um, and the car is you know absolutely a welcome addition with the loot mechanics. But the developers don't like people crowding the R99, so mm-hmm. it's just gonna get taken up a notch. So don't be left behind. Yeah, I mean, a lot of pros and everybody was kind of on the same page of like car is the supreme SMG up close just because it has the fastest TTK. We talk about a lot more variables than just that. But for, you know, the top level players, that's the number that matters uh, to people more so than anything else. And I'm excited for us to do our comparison to see where these SMGs kind of shake out in comparison to each other uh, moving forward, because I think we're going to see a uh, changing of the guard officially. And uh, it's been a while since I think we've had a unified R99 meta. And this is what we're doing in Apex now with the weapons is they're shifting stuff each season, it kind of feels like. So I'm definitely excited to uh, see what shakes out here. Let's talk hop-ups uh, for hammer point rounds. It's the hop-up for the Mozam and the P2020. They added it to the floor loot and crafting and the rarity tier increased to legendary. Henry, quick reminder, tell the viewers, uh, the listeners, sorry, what is the hammer point uh, for people that may not know for whatever reason? Yeah, hammer point essentially increases your damage to body health. So unshielded health takes increased damage from hammer points. Um, it's one of Shay's favorite hop-ups of all time. <laughs> um, you know, we'll really have to look into what are the details of it because the last time it was introduced, it was severely underpowered. Yeah. It really did not make either of the Mozambique or the P2020 competitive with SMGs or even the RE45 at the time. So can't get too excited even though this is certainly a classic hop-up and it's fun at least to have it back. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be a cool one. And like you said, we'll dive into the specifics of it. Care package rotation. The Hemlock Burst AR enters the care package and it enters the care package with a splash. Uh, Damage increased to 23 was 20. The headshot multiplier increased to 1.8 was 1.75. They improved the recoil, they integrated the boosted loader hop-up, and the boosted loader hop-up for a reminder, fast reload at low ammo that overloads the magazine with nine extra rounds. This gun's cracked in the care package right now. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't seen this uh, in a long, long time uh, for a a weapon to get that much of a buff. Um, What might be interesting, though, is because this is such a drastic change, maybe a little bit of this will come out of the care package. Um, I honestly really miss the boosted loader. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite hop-ups we've ever had introduced to the game. So I would be rooting for that. Um, You know, the message here is pretty clear. We're introducing the Nemesis. Everybody else get out of the way. Um, (laughs) The Nemesis obviously competes with the other energy, AR being the Havoc, but also the Hemlock and the R301. So taking the hemlock out and nerfing the R three hundred one just you know definitely makes a lot more space for that nemesis, but I'm excited for when the hemlock isn't in uh, yeah. 
you know, the care package and see what will happen. It's going to be a fun one to pick up, though. That's for sure. Um, in terms of the weapon crafting rotation, the longbow and the volt are entering the crafter, and the G7 and the car are returning to the floor. So really strong. Two weapons coming back to the ground. Volt, definitely a gun that we love. Uh, but I don't know how much the longbow specifically is going to be missed in the crafter. Any uh, overall thoughts you want to share on this one? Besides the Not H7 be has missed. returned. <laughs> yeah, do like the G7 back. Just the overwhelming power of the Sentinel makes the longbow so irrelevant. And with the latest change to the charge up with a single cell or no cells with gold armor, it's so hard to use anything but the Sentinel if you're a serious sniper. Yeah. Uh, gold weapon rotation, we're going to have the Nemesis, Rampage, PK, Wingman, and R99. This is, Henry, I want to say probably one of the stronger gold weapon rotations we've had in a while with the balancing that's coming along with all these weapons. We normally hate shotguns being in the gold weapon rotation, but now we have a really valid reason for one to be in there. Yeah, for the first time in a long time. Um, we always get excited about the gold weapon rotation. Um, doesn't make the biggest impact, but I think it's a nice little signal of what should you be using? You know, what do yeah. they want you to use? They kind of try to showcase them in the legendary lineup. Yeah, definitely. Um, some of the other changes, which you really did cover uh, on the last episode, but just to hit them at the high level, fire range updates, orientation matches are being introduced, and the ranked map is going to have the 24-hour rotation and split one. It's going to be World's Edge, Stormpoint, Broken Moon. Anything you want to touch on from those three uh, again? Pretty straightforward. Excited to see what happens with Ranked. Um, we talked about it last episode, but we'll see how this is received. I'm really yeah. curious. Uh, I think the only other thing I didn't mention on the last episode, and I was kind of thinking about it over the last uh, few days, but the we talk a lot about how we think you know pick rate and meta is sometimes impacted by the map uh, mm -hmm. and playing on a specific map. So I'm interested to see how having a rotation maybe changes what pick rate is. Like we kind of been talking about, it's hard to isolate that being an impact with how many legend changes we're having this season. But it was something I was thinking about that maybe could, uh, you know, you could take a look at it as something. Or maybe if we can get a day-by-day -day breakdown, we'll be able to kind of see. <laughs> totally. Uh, a couple quality of life changes we want to highlight. So consumables now show a progress bar for teammates next to their unit frame on the HUD, similar to reviving mechanic. Players can now be on any team in Gunrun. Uh, increased uh, the odds of becoming Team Nessie in Gunrun. They added damage to the scoreboard and control. They added a map rotation preview to the game mode selector in the lobby. They added the ability to ping for an optic, even if the optic attachment slot is filled. They slightly increased audio for enemies attaching, riding, and detaching from zip lines. And they added credits to items inspired and designed by creators. Anything you want to touch on from those in particular? I think a lot of interesting stuff. Um, I just want to say that the first change there with the progress bar for using consumables, that was actually kind of called out by a community member. So cool that that was not only introduced, but introduced really quickly uh, mm -hmm. to when it was actually uh, recommended by a player. And then I think adding damage to the scoreboard of control is something that I really wanted, but it might bite me in the butt because <laughs> I get so many points for just sitting on B, but I might get exposed. No, no, no. It's not exposed. Like I've been playing, I, I play a lot of Call of Duty in addition to Apex. You need your OBJ players. Your objective players carry the game. And if that's what you're going to be in control, 
don't be ashamed of it. Just wear it on the sleeve because nobody wins without those players. I'm not changing, so yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll be proud. Overall, what are your thoughts going into the season revelry? Uh, are you thinking this is going to be a good season? Is this going to be, as maybe it was teased, you know, the best season of all time, most changes of all time? Was it worth the slowdown of season 15? Uh, is it worth the lack of legend introduction and no map changes this coming season outside of the Mirage Trois? Where are you kind of feeling? What's the vibe you're getting after going through the patch notes? Yeah, we've both kind of had a lot of time to think about this season leading up to it. And what I can say personally is I am excited about the changes. I do have big worries that the drop-off of player retention will be even more extreme than it was in Season 15. And I hate to say that. I don't like to be negative. Um, but the way I'll counter that is this is the peak time for Apex. I am very confident we'll see record numbers of players, potentially record numbers on Twitch. Uh, at least for the year, this is normally a good time. If we don't see that, even more of a, a concerning indicator that not having a new legend, not having a map update really doesn't hold people um, as much as doing more quality of life and balancing. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Take a look at holistically, but like you said, definitely excited. Um, You know, this mixtape, something I've been asking for and, you know, we've been asking for for a long time. And I think I'm looking forward to a ton just in terms of how I can play Apex a bit more casually when I want to. And I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, they're trying to do a lot of cool stuff on the legend side of things, which is something we are uh, always excited to kind of take a look at and see how things shake. There's, there's going to be a lot of fun episodes in the coming weeks about meta shifts and the impacts of things and the community's response to what's going on and stuff. And on top of that, if you want some heirloom shards, you're going to have the opportunity, which is always a, a great little thing, I think, for players that haven't gotten their heirloom of choice yet. Any other thoughts? That's a wrap. That's going to wrap things up. Thanks so much to our producer, the third party 10, who supports us over on Patreon. Hit that plus on Apple and drop us a follow on Spotify. Check out the Discord to view the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the third party podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>